Bless the Lord who forgives all our sins. Hear the commandments of God to His people. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of bondage. You shall have no other gods but me. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not make for yourself any idol. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not invoke with malice the name of your Lord God. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Amen. Honor your father and your mother. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not commit murder. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not commit adultery. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not steal. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not be a false witness. Amen. Lord, have mercy. You shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Jesus said the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is the only Lord. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry, and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, you know that we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. Keep us both outwardly in our bodies and inwardly in our souls, that we may be defended from all adversities which may happen to the, bo to the body and from all evil thoughts which may assault and hurt the soul. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from Exodus. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth below or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. For six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the, blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. 
Honor your father and your mother, so that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The word of the Lord. We will read Psalm 19 responsively. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. One day tells its tale to another, and one night imparts knowledge to another. Although they have no words or language, and their voices are not heard, their sound has gone out into all lands, and their message to the ends of the world. In the deep has he set a pavilion for the sun. It comes forth like a bridegroom out of his chamber. It rejoices like a champion to run its course. It goes forth from the uttermost edge of the heavens and runs about to the end of it again. Nothing is hidden from its burning heat. The law of the Lord is perfect and revives the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure and gives wisdom to the innocent. The statutes of the Lord are just and rejoice the heart. The commandment of the Lord is clear and gives light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean and endures forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, more than much fine gold, sweeter far than honey, than honey in the comb. By them also is your servant enlightened, and in keeping with them, with them there is great reward. Who can tell how often he offends? Cleanse me from my secret faults. Above all, keep your servant from presumptuous sins. Let them not get dominion over me. Then shall I be whole and sound and innocent of a great offense. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. The second lesson is a reading from 1 Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation, to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all 
He drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, Take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, This temple has been under construction for forty-six years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In the first century, when Paul is writing, wisdom and the practice of rhetoric was highly prized. One commentator notes that the, that the rhetoricians and orators would be akin to our celebrity cults in the modern world, people who were well known for their craft and influential in the public imagination. The church in Corinth was a mess, fragmented by conflict and rivalry. Paul's letter attempts to correct the errors of the Corinthians, and from our passage today, it seems that one of these errors is their maintenance of this cultural value of wisdom, a sort of intellectual superiority persuaded only by good rhetoric and logic. So it is significant that Paul does not mince words in this portion of the letter, completely undercutting this system of values with his insistence on the cross as the site of God's power. Our reading begins with a blatant repudiation of this desire for sound rhetoric and logic. The translation we have says the message of the cross begins the message of the cross. However, the word that Paul uses is the logos, the logos of the cross, or the word, the reason, the logic of the cross. Foolishness is the logic of the cross. This is not a, re a revelation our logic can grasp and it proves nothing to those seeking signs of conventional power. It is, as Paul says, foolishness. This is strong language from Paul, who has his own claim to intellectual pedigree and superiority, a claim he elsewhere renounces as garbage, to put it nicely, and he is changing the terms of the debate, making the starting point of our knowledge of truth, goodness, and beauty the otherwise offensive events of Jesus' crucifixion. That is now the starting point of knowledge, truth, good, beauty. It's an inversion of reason where the very foundations of knowledge are dismantled. Those who are being, to those who are being saved, the cross is the starting point of all knowledge and reason, which defies knowledge and reason. Notice that Paul does not claim that this is obvious, by definition, it cannot be obvious. It must be revealed as our own wisdom and learning will not take us to this new foundation. It is, as Chris said last week, to reject the ideas of success and power and to adopt a loser's mentality, to adopt a way of life that takes up the cross and follows behind the one heading toward rejection and shame. Paul is here drawing on a quotation from Isaiah, which he quotes in verse 19. I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discerning, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. 
As the biblical scholar Richard Hayes notes, the prophet is speaking, the prophet Isaiah is speaking to a failure of the leaders in Judah who have sought to who have sought a forbidden military alliance with Egypt as they fear the approaching Babylonian forces. With a conquering empire on the prowl, a military alliance seems reasonable, prudent even. Yet this is the very thing for which they are being condemned, and the prophet speaks judgment against it in the form of the destruction of wisdom. It is for the prophet and the God for whom he speaks a deep act of faithlessness that undermines their very worship of God. It reminds me of a few stories, but but particularly of a parable that's told by the Irish philosopher and theologian Peter Rollins in his book Orthodox Heretic. The parable goes like this. There was a powerful army sweeping its way through different lands, conquering and brutalizing. They landed on the shore of a small island kingdom, and they made preparations to conquer as they had before. The rulers of the island nation were reasonably terrified as the invading army vastly outmatched them in both soldiers and resources. The rulers consulted an oracle on the island, this oracle who was said to have sight into the heavenly realms. The oracle then delivered some grave news to the rulers. Beyond the insurmountable disparity in numbers and resources, she also informed them that this invading army had God on their side. Distraught, the rulers offered feeble options to escape the inevitable. Let's pack up the boats tonight and get out of here. But the king of this island, who had sat patiently throughout this exchange, smiled and told the council not to worry. He knew how to defeat this invading army against all odds. So they immediately set to evacuating the women, the children, the elderly from the island, while gathering a frighteningly small number of soldiers to prepare for the battle. The following day, the armies met on the battlefield, one of them vast and heavily resourced, and the other meager and poor. And after a brutal brutal struggle, the invading army began to retreat. To everyone's surprise, they were driven back and defeated by this small island nation. When the king returned from battle, the oracle was stunned, asking him how he could know that they would win despite incredible odds. She could not understand how he could have been so confident, knowing that above all else, God was on the side of the invading army. How could this king be so confident when he knew that they had more than enough resources to defeat them? And more than all this, God is on their side. How could he know? The king smiled again and said to the oracle, well, surely you know that it does not matter which side God is on. When God is truly involved, the oppressed and the weak always win. The parable speaks to the character of God and the foolishness that only makes sense when a foolish God is present and active. The faith of the king was not found in his military strength or his cunning, but rather on his willingness to trust the God he knew, the God who is unwaveringly faithful to the weak and powerless. I was reminded also of a lecture I once heard from Jonathan Tran, who is a theologian and professor at Baylor University. 
In the lecture, he addresses this foolishness of God and the ways in which that might be manifest in the witness of the church. He recalled the war in Iraq and Afghanistan, considering our response in the wake of September 11th, 2001. He asked his audience to consider ways we might have responded differently, tapping into this idea of the irrational weakness of God and the alternative witness of the church, witnessing to this foolishness. I've spent years thinking about his suggestion, and I now invite you to be troubled by it with me. He asked, instead of responding as many would with violence and war in the wake of a violent tragedy, instead of responding retributively, what if we had responded with payloads of bread? What if instead of dropping bombs, we dropped bread and other supplies for the well-being of the people we had every reason to consider enemies. Foolish, right? If this seems irrational or silly or up in the clouds to any of us, then perhaps that's the point. It is not a reasonable or tactical response. It is likely that it would have made a mockery of us on the global stage. It is not a practical or effective means of protection, retaliation, or salvation from an enemy. But neither is carrying and proclaiming the cross. Neither is spreading a table in the presence of enemies. Neither is turning the other cheek or forgiveness and love of enemies. Neither is sheathing Peter's sword in the garden or walking through a trial, abuse, and crucifixion when escape and retribution are well within your grasp. It is foolishness, and it is the way that God has made peace with us. God's foolishness is on full display here at the altar, Imagine returning again and again to offer yourself to the very creation that has not relinquished its grip on violence and scapegoating that once meant your death. Imagine giving bread and wine to those who have acted as enemies. Imagine putting your body between the joys of heaven and the violence of earth in the hopes that a stable, that a table spread here might make peace that passes any understanding a peace that defies wisdom, a peace that is made by God's own foolishness. Amen. Let us stand and reaffirm our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son he is worshipped. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. 
We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray for the church and for the world. God of all mercy, we pray for the church throughout the world, and especially for Justin, the Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Brian, our bishop, Johnny, our rector, Chris and Gordon, our deacons. We pray for all bishops, priests, and deacons that our faithfulness might not be limited to acts of piety, but be manifest in lives of peace, charity, and compassion for the welfare of the poor, the stranger, the outcast, and the hurting. Bring mercy and peace where violence and hostility are imminent, and lead us beyond hatred and nationalism toward a responsibility for one another as global neighbors. We pray also for all who hold public office and positions of authority, remembering especially Joseph, our President, the Congress of the United States, our Courts of Justice, and all who carry the burden and temptations of leadership. Grant them a spirit of humility, compassion, and peace, that they might repent of the violence and greed that consumes us, and bring us all more closely to the abundance of your peaceable kingdom. Most Holy Creator, all that you have made speaks of your goodness, and you have made us caretakers of that goodness. Give us the eyes to see, with broken and contrite hearts, the ways in which we have squandered your gift. Set us free from the habits of waste and misuse we have cultivated over generation, and fill us, fill us with a spirit of gentleness, that everything we touch might know your embrace. You are the God who has come among us, we pray for our city of Kingsport, remembering especially Pat and Richard, our mayors, our city and county school systems, our teachers, social workers, and all who serve the poor and homeless in our city. Reveal yourself among us in our neighbors and open our doors to welcome, welcome them as Christ. Loving God, we hold before you those whom we love and are in need of your care, especially Becky, Carolyn, Stephanie, and family, Ed, Bill, Jesse, Cal, Larry, Louisa, Martha, Catherine, Randy, Mariana, Martha, Mike, Doreen, Lou, John, John, Marty, Baby Amelia, Laura, Thomas, Mark, Jackson, Jonathan, Patricia, Van, Ruth, Sarah Beth, Linda, Sedina, David, Dot. Gary, Matthew, Rick, Larry and Ann, Sandra, Harold, Caitlin, Austin, Katie, Kimberly. Gather them under the shadow of your wing and grant them wholeness and peace. God of rest and giver of life, we remember those we remember before you those who have died, especially Ginger Godsey. Grant them a place of rest in your household until the last day when they are raised to, uh, with us to abundant life. Almighty God, by your Holy Spirit, you have made us one with your saints in heaven and on earth. Grant that in our earthly pilgrimage we may always be supported by this fellowship of love and prayer and know ourselves to be surrounded by their witness to your power and mercy. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, in whom all our intercessions are acceptable through the Spirit and who lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Friends, the peace of the Lord be always with you. 
And now as our Savior Christ has taught us, we are bold to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Eternal God, Heavenly Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Be at peace. Do not look forward in fear to the changes of life. Rather, look to them with full hope as they arise. God, whose very own you are, will deliver you from out of them. He has has kept you hitherto, and he will lead you safely through all things, and when you cannot stand it, God will bury you in his arms. Do not fear what may happen tomorrow. The same everlasting Father who cares for you today will take care of you then and every day. He will either shield you from suffering or give you unfailing strength to bear it. Be at peace and put aside all anxious thoughts and imaginations. The blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit be amongst you and abide with you always. Amen. Let us go forth in the name of Christ. Thanks be to God.